But that's not fair. We've all heard that protest. Children will frequently say it. The younger they are, the more likely and the more loudly. When we were each children, we said it. And the younger we were, the more likely and the more loudly. The typical adult response to protesting that something is not fair is to reply, get used to it. Life is not fair. That is why it drops from our sayings as we get older. We say it more softly, less frequently, or only in our heads. But when we see an injustice in our minds, especially if it's an injustice against ourselves, we still yell or scream, that's not fair. I once worked with a man who had to supervise a large number of men in their work and in the distributing among them additional tasks as might be needed to be done. I'm sure the majority accepted the extra taskings as they came without protest, but a fair number, many more than should have given their age and level of maturity that they should have attained in the positions they held, well, that fair number would respond to any additional tasking by crying, but that's not fair. The person in the management position started referring to the word fair as the F word and saying, don't use the F word around me. As human beings, we have this incredible innate sense of being fair and being treated fairly. And in our sense of fairness, we see being fair most frequently as treating people equally. Frequently, maybe even usually, to treat people equally is the right or fair thing to do. It's not hard to think of examples. One example is when you're selecting a person for a job, to only consider the qualifications for the job and the level of personal experience in the job is important. There should be no unequal consideration based on ethnicity or whether the person is male or female. If one considered the ethnicity of a person or being male or female in a hiring criteria, that would be inequality. It's unfair and wrong. If we wanted to spend a bit of time thinking of fairness, we could come up with a list of good examples relatively quickly. We would, however, have a harder time coming up with a list of examples when inequality to be seemingly unfair might be the better course of action. The idea of being unfair goes against our internal emotional grain so severely that even when we do recognize where it is the better course of action, we have a hard time acknowledging the idea of being unfair as the right thing to do. It has to be reframed in our mind. There is a meme, one of those captioned pictures we see online so frequently that demonstrates the concept well, though. There are three children, each of differing heights, all trying to watch a baseball game over a fence. The first frame, they are standing on the ground 
and only the tallest can see over the fence and watch the game. The caption of this first frame simply says, Fair. They are being treated equally, each one standing flat-footed on the ground, nobody given an advantage. They are being treated absolutely equally. And our innate sense of what it means to be fair says this is fair, but when we see the fairness in action, illustrated by the meme, we can see, we can recognize that there's something wrong. The next frame in the meme has the tallest child still standing flat-footed on the ground and looking over the fence, watching the game. But the middle child is standing on one box, and the shortest child is standing on two boxes, and now they are all able to watch the game over the fence. The caption reads, Just, as in justice, giving what the person needs so that even though there is unequal treatment, that, without the picture there to illustrate the situation, we would claim to be unfair, but it is because it is unequal we see in the meme equity. Equity. Each child has equal outcomes based on the needs being met in unequal ways. A lesson that sometimes justice, being equitable, is more fair than treating everyone equally. The meme is a positive example of being just, but I will also mention that to be just can also take that sense of equity and use it in the realm of penalizing the wrong so that each gets the penalty needed as well. But what if we are faced with a situation where there is no equal treatment, there is not even a discernible sense of equity, both fairness and justice have been apparently set completely aside. This morning, in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, we have that very type situation. In this scene, Jesus is telling a parable, a story to illustrate a point. And the master of the vineyard hires some men to work at the very start of the day and promises them a denarius for their labor. And a denarius is one day's wages. This quick hiring of workers was fair. You will work through the day and you will receive a day's wages. The master then goes out again at the third hour, meaning at nine o'clock, and he hires some more men. There's no negotiation of pay, just a promise that they will receive what's right. What is right is not explained, but the men who face not working at all and therefore getting nothing for the day accept the terms and they go to work. In the sixth hour, meaning noon, in the ninth hour, three in the afternoon, and even the eleventh hour, five o'clock, five o'clock, just as they were reaching quitting time for the day, the master of the vineyard hired more and more men. Everyone that he called who answered that call, he hired and put them out in the vineyard to work. In the later cases, that ninth hour, that fifth hour, excuse me, the ninth hour and the eleventh hour, 
He did not say anything about payment. There's a promise of work to all those who would otherwise have none. We can only assume that they assumed that even a small partial payment for the day was better than nothing, and the master of the vineyard would give them at least a small bit of pittance for whatever they might put in. Now, if you've ever seen day laborers waiting to be hired, and typically you'll see them waiting under a bridge or near a gas station or a convenience store, just waiting for some worksite foreman to come and offer them a job for the day. If you've seen these men waiting for work, you know that the hardest workers get hired first. And they're easy to spot. And the longer the day drags on, the workers that are left are really not much in the way of being able to work. And by quitting time, when that late afternoon rolls around, whoever is still standing there is really just homeless. Will not be of much value, if any at all, on a job site. Anybody who is left to hire as the day dragged on, when this master went out to find more men for his vineyard, would be desperate and had little, if anything, to offer in the way of labor. But the master hired them to work, even if only for the briefest of time in his vineyard anyway. Now then, barely after those last workers were hired, we reach quitting time. And the master says to the foreman, gather the men and pay them their wages. But do this, pay those most recent hires, those that I just barely brought into the vineyard, Pay them first. The master did, excuse me, the foreman did as the master willed and paid the men who had barely worked an hour a denarius, a full day's wages. At first, the workers who had been there longer, much longer, and in the hot sun, thought that this meant that their reward, their pay, would be greater. But when the foreman got to them and gave them each a single denarius, exactly what they had negotiated for, they protested, they grumbled, they complained. That's not fair. We worked all day. We worked in the heat. We deserve more. The master replies, you've been given exactly what you were promised. Do you resent my generosity? Am I not free to give what I have as I choose? To who I may give it? It's a situation that is not equal. It is not equitable. It is not just. It is not fair. It is charity. Those last workers, they showed up at the job site just in time to get in the pay line. And the master gave them far beyond what they deserved because they deserved nothing. The master gave them charity. And the word charity has become a bit of a dirty word in many circles today. A person described as a charity case is a comment made with a sneer. We have forgotten what charity means, where the word comes from. Our lack of the word charity's original meaning has caused Oxford English Dictionary to highlight that the definition is archaic when they explain that charity 
is the love of humankind, typically in a Christian context. When Paul wrote his first letter to the Corinthians, he told them, Now abide in faith, hope, and charity. These three. The greatest of these is charity. Most modern translations have the admonition end in love, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. When you study the text and the word usage here, you find that the leading scholars in the field describe the word for love this way. The concept of love to the pity for the needy and often used, therefore, to denote the love of God. As Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard where the master went out and called workers. The master is God the Father calling for us to come. Answer the call in the morning, early in life. Answer the call midday, middle of life. Answer the call in the afternoon, late in the call, late in life. Answer the call right at quitting time, even on your deathbed, if need be. It is never too late to answer the call. God is calling throughout the day, even to the last moments of daylight, when it is time to quit this earth. And God tells His foreman, God tells Jesus, pay them. Pay each and every one who answered the call, but do not pay them their due. Do not pay them fairly. None of them actually worked enough. You cannot work enough. You cannot earn through good deeds the kingdom of heaven. Do not pay them justly. Do not pay them according to what they have earned. Their sins are too great. The wages of sin are death. To be just would be to cast each and every one of them away. No, these are all charity cases. So pay them lovingly. Pay them what they do not deserve. They each answered my call. Give them access. Allow them into the kingdom. He answered the call late in life. Excuse me. He answered the call early in life. And so did she. They lived their lives, although imperfectly, they lived their lives for me. They are charity cases. Let them into the kingdom. Those over there, they answered the call on their deathbeds after lives saturated in sin. They are charity cases. They answered the call. Let them into the kingdom. The Master says, I love humanity and I pity the needy. Nobody will begrudge me my generosity and I may and I will do as I will with what belongs to me, my grace, my mercy, my love. My charity will be showered on all who answer the call. Are you a charity case in need of God's love for you in your need, no matter what it may be and where and when in life you may be? I am. How hard it is for people to say something like that. The words can stick in one's throat. One's personal pride gets in the way and blocks the word. I'm a charity case in need of the love of God. When we swallow our pride, it makes room for the words to flow freely. Lord, I'm a charity case. I need your love. 
I answer your call. Give it a try. When you do, you will receive totally unfair, unequitable, unjust treatment as the grace, mercy, and love of God the Father, the Master of the Vineyard, is generously given to you beyond anything you could ever expect, earn, or deserve. Amen.